Hi, everyone. This is your host, Greg Myers, and this episode is part of our special series focused on diversity and inclusion. In this series, I'll be talking with leaders in the payments industry and maybe some experts from outside of the industry about diversity and inclusion. It has been proven that a diverse workforce and diverse management team leads to increased creativity, better decision-making, reduced employee turnover, and increased profit, as well as many other benefits that I'm sure we'll be talking about. This special series is brought to you by the WNET and PaySafe. Start the new year with new research from the McKinsey Women in the Workplace Report. This comprehensive DNI study examines how the payments industry compares to other industries and provides information you need to advance women and improve gender diversity within your organization. Register for this much-anticipated January 26th webinar now at wnetonline.org. PaySafe is a leading global specialized payments provider. They've been driving innovation in and around payments for over 20 years all over the globe for both businesses and consumers. PaySafe believes diversity and inclusion is not just a checkbox, but rather a journey in which they are fully committed to being on around the world. Learn more at PaySafe.com. I'm honored to be joined on this sixth episode by Wendy Sherrock. Wendy's passion is founded on removing barriers and igniting new ways of thinking. She started her performance improvement change management career as a Six Sigma black belt at GE and has worked in multiple industries over the past 20 plus years. Today, Wendy leads the operational effectiveness team at Finastra and works across the organization to unlock people capabilities, optimize processes, and leverage systems to enable a world-class customer and employee experience. Finastra is a fintech company that provides the broadest portfolio of financial services software in the world, spanning retail banking, transaction banking, lending, and treasury and capital markets. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast focused specifically on diversity and inclusion in the payment space. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Greg. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you were born, where you grew up, where you went to school, maybe a few things like that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I grew up in the Philadelphia area. I went to undergraduate school at Susquehanna University and then later went on to get my MBA at Villanova. After growing up in the Philadelphia area, I then moved to Colorado, where I spent about 10 years before moving to where I live currently in Orlando with my husband, Rob. In my spare time, which seems to be very little these days in our strange COVID world, I do enjoy photography. I read quite a few books. I'm up to about 100 books this year alone, which I guess kind of makes me a nerd, but I'm okay with that. That's pretty impressive. I'm a long way behind you there. (laughs) So you are currently VP of Operational Effectiveness at Finastra. So just for our audience members who may not know about Finastra, tell us a little bit about what they do. Finastra was actually formed in 2017 by the combination of MISOS and BNH. And we build software solutions for financial institutions. We span retail banking, transaction banking, lending, along with treasury and capital markets. We've got a revenue base of about $1.9 billion in revenues, about 10,000 employees, 8,600 customers. That includes 90 of the top 100 banks globally. And one of the things that we say at Finastra is that we want to make sure that we're doing well by doing good. 
And our vision is really that the future of finance is open and we want to unlock the power of finance for everyone. And it's a great connection to what we're trying to do within our ERG. Finastra is very much a purpose-led growth company that is creating a movement for open culture, open platform, open finance, and we're committed to innovation, diversity, and inclusion. And that's just a beautiful connection point with our women at Finastra at ERG. Great. So before we dive into more details about the ERG, talk a little bit about your current role in the business. Yes, I lead the operational effectiveness team where we focus on transformational change throughout the organization. So that includes business intelligence, really looking at the data, process optimization, transformational change, and program management. And really, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is remove barriers, make connections, and ignite new ways of thinking, which is really not that different from what I'm trying to do as part of the ERG. Okay, and let's talk about the ERG. So your role there currently is the co-executive sponsor. So tell the audience what that role does. I help lead the Women at Finastra ERG, which stands for Employee Resource Group, for anyone that might not know that. So I lead a team along with my partner for Finastra. And you know, that involves working with the planning team, pulling the team together, helping to plan out the strategy, and then determine how we execute and then kind of measure our success to monitor how we're doing throughout the year. Okay. And you didn't, I think from our previous conversation, start at the co-executive sponsor level. So maybe talk about the journey to how you got there. Yeah. My role really has evolved quite a bit. I did get involved in women at Finastra at the very start. It started with a small group of women coming together from across the globe to figure out how do we make a difference at Finastra. And my role has continued to evolve. From there, I went on to become and represent as a local site ambassador for one of our locations, specifically our Lake Mary, Florida office. From there, I became a regional lead looking after North America and then became a key part of the planning team. And then it was back in March earlier this year where I was named as co-executive sponsor for the Women at Finastra ERG. What in your career or who inspired you to take on this kind of role? Early in my career, I did not see myself in a leadership role. And you have to ask, why was that? And I think it's for a few different reasons. One, I didn't see very many women in leadership roles at the time. And I frankly didn't relate to a lot of the leaders that were in leadership roles as well, whether they were male or female. I kind of came away with a thought that I had to fit a certain mold. In other words, I couldn't be myself or bring my whole self to the table. Finally, I had a leader who showed me that you really can hone your own leadership style and still be successful. It was one of my managers, and I would say she's not the only one that influenced by any stretch of the imagination, but her name is LaDon Beardsley, and she brings a very empathetic style of leadership. She builds strong relationships. But she also drives accountability and this has been quite successful in her career. So I think it was at that time when I finally saw a path. I saw a way to develop my own leadership style and kind of work towards that. That was one element and that's certainly one of the many people that helped inspire me. The other thing that helped inspire me more from a personal perspective is you've probably heard by now, I feel like one of the more commonly shared 
statistics when we talk about gender inclusion is the study where they have found that women have a tendency to wait until they meet 100% of the objectives before they apply for a role. Now, that's not just women. I've also come across men that have that same attribute, but it tends to be a little bit stronger from a female perspective. And I was one of those women who, without realizing it, I kind of installed my own glass ceiling. And where I am today, and kind of as I look back at my younger self, I I kind of wish I had somebody who reached out and showed me that path a little bit more clearly, a little bit earlier in my career. So today, I kind of keep a watch for men and women that might be doing the same thing and strive to lift them up. And the women at Finastra ERG seem like a great platform to help do that. Okay. So what I really want to do now is drill down into the platform that you guys have built for your ERG. I mean, one of my goals with this diversity and inclusion series is to really provide some blueprints or some best practices for other organizations as they may want to start similar things. So can you talk about the ERG sort of holistically and maybe how it came about, how it has kind of morphed into what it is today? Just a little bit more detail about the ERG. Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, we did start with a small group of women who came together and started, I would call it our rough draft of a strategy and priority list, and we started to execute from there. Over time, we started to layer in more structure. I would say about a year into it, we identified an executive sponsor, the first executive sponsor to help support the group and to pull the team together. From there, Finastra has identified additional ERGs, LGBTQ, special abilities, generational, cultural inclusion. And from a women at Finastra perspective, we have established at this point a fairly strong network that includes regional leads and site ambassadors that span across the globe. It sounds like it's a structured organization as opposed to sort of a loose networking organization. So can you kind of share some of the strategies and if you have a mission statement and guiding principles, those kind of structural things that I think people would be interested in hearing about? Yes, absolutely. Our mission is to support Finastra's mission to become the most loved, open, inclusive, and diverse employer in fintech by enabling and empowering women to achieve their professional and personal aspirations. We do have some guiding principles. They include create an environment where women feel safe and are comfortable speaking up, encourage open dialogue, and be confident to progress to senior leadership roles. I will state that we were very careful with the language and Part of the reason we said confident to progress is we didn't want to necessarily assume that that's what somebody wanted, but we want to pave the way if that's their path. The second guiding principle is to embody inclusivity, diversity, servant leadership, and intersectionality of women from different backgrounds. And intersectionality is something that is also part of our strategy this year. It's one that we're really starting to put more focus, and I know we're not the only We're not the only ones that are starting to put more focus on this aspect. The third guiding principle is to attract, hire, and give equal opportunity to a balanced pool of women and men, particularly for roles with limited female representation. The next is to build a network of allies to support, enable, and nurture a pipeline of women. 
And then finally, encourage unbiased decision-making during all phases of the employee life cycle to ensure equality and neutrality. And then we do have the strategy that we're especially focused on for our fiscal year, and that includes sponsorship and mentorship programs, targeted developments, building our external networks, visibility branding, and intersectionality along with building our male advocates. Maybe talk about the structure and platform, but on a day-to-day basis, what does the group do? How do you get together? How often? Who gets invited and how? Just sort of some of those maybe day-to-day things that might help people. Sure. Structurally, as a ERG, we are planning committee. We get together once a month to check in on progress, to plan for the next kind of 30, 60, 90 days, to execute on some of the key strategy elements. We have a program manager that's part of the planning team that's the key part of it, where he and my other co-executive sponsor, we get together bi-weekly. And that's to just, again, further progress where we need to go, talk about where we need to connect the dots, reach out to key stakeholders to help progress our mission and our strategy. And then once a month, we also have a session with our ambassadors where we talk about what we've accomplished, any lessons learned, as well as what we're focusing on next. That's actually coming up later this week, as a matter of fact, looking forward to that session. And I find that that structure helps kind of ensure that we're clearly kind of communicating not only where we need to go, but we're celebrating success and sharing the best practices across the network. That's where the ambassadors really come in because what we tend to find is they do some pretty exciting things on a site level, and we want to pull that across to the rest of the group. How has the fact that you're a global organization, I don't know if that's caused it to be more challenging or less challenging. So sort of talk about maybe kind of the global aspect of it. Sure. There are definitely cultural differences and nuances that you want to make sure that you're listening out for and ensuring that you're testing and modifying. For example, we had some cultural aspects, some cultures and locations that were putting a lot of focus on training. And we started to pull that across as the best practice. And what we found is that that didn't land well in all locations. In fact, in several locations, at the time I was the ambassador for the group that spoke up and said, why are we treating this like we're broken? And so we had to kind of pivot and make sure that we were putting the right focus in the right area. And it was just an example of where in one part of the world, there was more focus on training and Plus, it was needed based on the type of location and the maturity. And I don't mean the maturity of the individual, but the of the program and kind of the managers and the leaders in that location. And yet in another location, we had people that were a bit more seasoned. And so you just have to make sure that you're kind of listening out for those nuances and those differences and adapting accordingly. The other thing is just, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people find this too, is time zone differences and even the working days differ quite a bit. So ensuring that you're trying to find a time that works best, possibly alternate, and it makes that regional network all the more important because we can disseminate to key people and then ensure that we're getting the message out to all the locations that we need to reach and all the employees that we need to reach. And how do you measure success? How do you know or feel as a team know that what you're doing is working and helping and helping to meet that strategy and mission statement? 
That is a great question. The data is the critical part. We look at a, a set of metrics. I would describe them as kind of the leading indicators and the lagging metrics that we're keeping an eye on. So for example, something as simple as the percentage of women at Finestra. You know, today we are at 38% overall. We have made some inroads and has increased that, but you know, clearly we want to get to 50%. The other example of a lagging metric would be the percentage of women in leadership roles. So we look at the top 200 roughly leaders across the organization. And when I first started, when I first joined the ERG, I believe we were at like in the low 20%. We're now up to, I think, roughly 30%. And that's been quite a bit of progress actually just in the last couple of years. And we're still targeting to go much higher. So those are all things, just a few examples of metrics that take a little bit of time. So then what we look to from an ERG perspective is what are the levers that we can kind of hit on or press on to make an impact? And that kind of links back to our strategies. For example, visibility and branding. We had an opportunity, and I say had because we're already seeing quite a big difference, and I'm proud of how quickly we've pivoted. But in social media, we were seeing a lot of panels, for example, that had all men. And I said at one point, if I see one more of these, I'm going to scream. Half joking, half not. Really not. But the great news is we're now seeing a pretty big shift in that. So we're tracking how many times have women had the opportunity to speak on a panel, to present, to moderate, anything that helps kind of bring that visibility forward. That's one example. Another example is, and I mentioned that we had a small group of women that got together. One of the lessons learned that I would share is that it was a small group of women. We need to bring the men with us. So if I could go back in time, I think the one thing I would change is to ensure that we started with ensuring that our own group was diverse and inclusive. And so we, again, have made strides, but still have a ways to go. We're now tracking how many of our male allies or male advocates we're recruiting into our network. So those are examples of some more leading indicators that we're tracking that connect to some of the lagging. Those are just a few examples. We actually have a quite robust data tracking plan that we're monitoring as we speak. And then we have started presenting our results on those monthly ambassador calls to help show that progress that we're making as an ERG. And how do you guys interact with the other ERGs? Sounds like there's multiple and all several of them related to sort of diversity and inclusion. So how do the different ERGs sort of work together and what's that dynamic like? One of the ways that we stay connected with the ERGs is we really strive to support each other's events. And we do that by helping to bring visibility. So we'll provide support and give it visibility on our own channels our own ERG channels, that is, like we use Yammer as an example, so we'll support it there. I try to attend wherever I can in person, dial into those sessions live wherever I possibly can. And we also strive to try to support each other's events. For example, with a panel speaking for another ERG, participating in some of the workshops that they have, we do make that and strive to ensure that we're supporting each other, we're sharing those best practices. 
The other thing that we do is once a quarter, we come together, the executive sponsors of the ERGs all come together and we share what's working well, where we need help and how we can better support each other from that perspective as well. And I think there's a lot more that we can do and would like to improve on in terms of how we can take that a step further. I had somebody as an example from the LGBTQ ERG reach out to me recently, and we just had a quick informal call where we chatted about some ideas on how we could progress inclusion you know, across the organization, help take it to that next level. And I think some of those informal discussions can be quite helpful. You know, we ask them to support our events as well. So we do strive to connect. Intersectionality is one of our critical strategic pillars for this year. So we want to continue to look for ways that we can take that a step further. I would say that we're just kind of getting a little bit better at that this year. I think there's a lot more we can still do. How do you think the payments industry as a whole is doing on this topic and what more needs to be done? In terms of what we can do as an industry, it's interesting. I read in a recent Oliver Wyman Women in Financial Services report, I think it was the 2020 report, that today we've got about 20% of women on executive committees and 23% on boards. I think that's great. It's good progress. I do see that people are starting to understand and appreciate the benefits of gender equality. It's more widely recognized why it's important. We need to have that representation, that diverse representation, so we understand our customers and we can grow the business. So I do see a lot of traction there. The mindset is shifting, but we do need to get to 50-50. So I would call out the 20%. While it's progress, it's not where we want to stop. 23% on board, we definitely want to push harder. The other, I think, positive that we're seeing is that ERGs like the one that we're talking about today at Finastra are shown to make an impact. So for those companies that don't yet have those networks in place, I I do highly recommend that as a, a great way to get started and to start to progress the agenda and the strategy. The other thing I think we need to look at is unconscious bias. We've done some of that at Finastra. It's a tricky bit for sure, but it's such an important part of understanding our own biases. We had some, we called it conscious leadership training to look at unconscious bias. And I was shocked when I took, there's an assessment that you can take to kind of see what your bias level is. And I actually came back as much more biased within the gender space than I expected and was frankly a bit horrified. What I understand and appreciate today, that was probably two years ago, is that we all have biases. And what's so important is that we understand and appreciate that. It's not about the fact that you have the bias because we all have them. It's understanding that you have it and being able to watch out for that. And I think that's something that you can't just do the training once and then stop talking about it. We have to keep talking about it across the industry and look at that intersection across race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, age, physical abilities, and more. There's lots more to be done. So I think we're heading in the right direction, but we still have a ways to go. What are the main pieces of advice you would give to a company that wants to start this kind of ERG or initiative at their company? If you're just getting started, one of the things that I would recommend is start with the data. Because that gives you kind of a lay of the land, like how are you doing? Where are the hot spots? Where are the areas that you really need to apply the most pressure to start with? And then focus on just two to three things only. We did start with probably too many initiatives when we started out. 
And even this year, we've scaled back a bit just to ensure that we have bandwidth to be successful. The other thing that I would say is do make sure that you not only understand the role that men play in gender inclusion, be very clear on why we need them with us on the journey, be able to clearly articulate the message to the community and engage them in the right way. We want to avoid men feeling like they're being vilified because that's not what this is about at all. And that's something that took us a little bit of time. I think we've finally gotten to a a clearer message of why we want to have men on the journey. And I think the next step for us at Finastra is helping to articulate what that means and what men can do to support the right infrastructure for inclusion and equality. That would be my advice in terms of getting started. Start with the data, prioritize, bring the men with you, and establish that ERG because the networks are shown to show quite a big impact. Wendy, we've covered a lot of ground on this topic. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss or leave with our audience? I would close with just the fact that we're making progress. We have a long ways to go, but we've also made quite a few inroads, and I think we need to celebrate that as we go. And we're still kind of early days in terms of the planning, but Finastra has big plans for International Women's Day in March of 2021. This year's theme is Choose to Challenge. We plan to celebrate throughout the week, if not more. We're looking to launch a global hackathon and an innovation challenge all around the Choose to Challenge theme. So I would just encourage everyone to watch the Finastra space for more exciting news on how we plan to celebrate and how you can get involved. Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all of your insights on this important topic. And thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was Wendy Sherrock, the VP of Operational Effectiveness at Finastra, and this was our sixth episode in our special series on diversity and inclusion. The next episode features Nasia Acklin, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Manager at Discover, and will be available on January 21st. Without the support of our sponsors, the WNET and PaySafe, we wouldn't be able to bring you this special series. Searching for a new job in the new year? Preparing for your next career move? WNET's Career Center helps you get control of your professional development with career tools and advanced job searches. It's free to all job seekers. Go to WNETonline.org and select Job Boards and Career Development under the Programs tab. The WNET would like to wish you health, happiness, and success in 2021. And PaySafe invites you to learn more about PaySafe, their offerings, international culture, and unique team by visiting PaySafe.com. To learn more about the entire Diversity and Inclusion series, visit our website, leadersinpayments.com.